Another season of first draft is underway. Jalen Carter, too quick, too powerful. That's a touchdown. That is a bad man. Oh, no, 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 Maybe the best player in the sport. Watch out for Mr. Robinson. Fifth touchdown pass for C.J. Stroud. Jackson Smith and Jigbo, arguably the top receiver in the country. If you didn't know the name Will Levis before tonight, you know it now. Richardson, lead throws the defender out of bounds. He is a highlight reel waiting to happen every time he touches the football. Mel Kuyper Jr. or Todd McShay, every day of every year is draft season. If you're like everybody else, welcome to draft season as the Super Bowl is now behind us. The Kansas City Chiefs are victorious for the second time in four seasons, and that means that all eyes are on Kansas City. And I'm not talking about those Chiefs. I'm talking about the draft, which of course begins April 28th from one of the great football cities in the country. Welcome back into First Draft, and we have a big day today as it is Mach 2.0 from Todd McShay. Todd, I got to imagine this is one of your favorite things to do around this time of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I promised Kuiper we were, we were going to have a trade at the top, and I delivered for him. And I'm excited to walk through the, at least the top 10 picks and, and go through where these quarterbacks are going. Listen, we, we've talked about it. This is not the greatest class from top to bottom, all seven rounds. But the, the top of the draft is going to be really interesting. And I think we'll see some of it play out here. Mel, have you graded the mock draft yet or no? Yeah, it's always a, you know, a B. I think a solid B for Todd, because anytime you do a mock draft, it's your opinion. And I, I'll pick it apart a little bit at the end. But yeah, it's, it's solid because that's your opinion on where you hear players may go. It's not where you rate players. That's what we have to differentiate here. It's not what we, Todd and I, feel are the rankings of the players based on grade and what we feel from film evaluation over the years leads us to believe. This is based on what we hear from our friends in the National Football League. And I think it's interesting what Todd did with Bryce Young, because we're waiting to see, at least I am, and I know what people in the league are, what he weighs. That's going to be critical, and that we won't know that until the combine, and obviously the pro day will be important as well. But for Will Levis, if you can get Will Levis without moving up, and the Colts could, that'll be interesting. They could sit at four, according to Todd, Will Levis dropping from mm-hmm. the Raiders, I believe, Todd, in your mock. They don't have to give up anything to get a guy that I believe is right there with Bryce Young. Now, I'll go to Bryce Young as QB1 if he's 195 or higher. I'll stick with Will Levis as QB1 if it's not the case with Bryce Young. But either way, either way, they're 1-1A one one in my opinion. Others have a significant gap between Young and Levis. I don't. So I would stick at four, sit there, and wait it out. If Bryce Young is available, fine. If Will Levis is there, I'm fine with that as well. Uh, but for the Colts to move up and give up a ton to get Bryce Young at this stage, I don't think, to me, would make a lot of sense. All right, so we're going to dive into how Todd actually sorted things out. And, of course, plenty of focus on those quarterbacks. You know, Mel, you mentioned how what Bryce Young weighs will be one of the notable storylines during the pre-draft process. And just as an aside, I'm let these two guys do the evaluation of the tape. I'm not trying to tell you which one's a better football player or not, but I had the chance back-to-back during the week of the Super Bowl to meet Will Levis and Bryce Young. And physique-wise, it's about as far as you could be on the opposite ends of the spectrum physically. And that's again, that's how they are as football players is different than how they are stature-wise. But it really was notable to see Bryce Young, who kind of reminded me physically, 
least height weight wise of myself, candidly. Whereas Will Levis, you know, is one of those guys that powers <laughs> over to somebody like me. Obviously, Bryce Young has more athleticism in his pinky finger than I do or ever have had in my entire body. So can't wait to see how the quarterback board shakes out. But top top, before we actually get into the top five, what was the hardest thing for you to do in this second mock draft? Maybe that was different than the first time around, which is always a really difficult exercise because there are so many unknowns, including the finalized draft order. It was to figure out how, how far Chicago was going to drop down. If, if Chicago's not going to stay there at number one, either take one of the defensive players, Will Anderson, the defensive end from Alabama, or defensive tackle Jalen Carter from Georgia, or maybe take a quarterback. But if they're going to drop down, how far are they going to move down? And I, to me, I'm moving to two or to four because I want to make sure that I'm going to get one of those top, uh, top two defensive players if I make that trade. Certainly will be one of the, as I just mentioned, how Bryce Young's weight will be a storyline. What the Bears do at the top of the draft will be the storyline in many yes. ways because it's the first domino that has to fall before we figure out how everything else lines up. So let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to go, we're going to go to the top five picks in this draft and then talk about a couple of specific players that did not make it into the top five. And you mentioned a trade, Todd. Walk us through what took place at pick one, which now no longer belongs to the Chicago Bears in your mock draft. Yeah, so I had Indianapolis moving up to number one, taking Bryce Young, who I believe, and we've talked about it several times, and I know he's undersized, and I hope he's uh, at least 196 pounds so that Kuiper can get on board. But I, I had them <laughs> taking Bryce Young at that number one spot. And then after that, and, and to me, like, Bryce Young has a chance to be an absolute star. He is, and I've said it multiple times, he is Patrick Mahomes in a smaller body, but the, the pocket presence that he has, just the magic that he can create inside the pocket and outside of the pocket is, is different than all the other quarterbacks in this class and most quarterbacks that we evaluate. So at number two, I had Houston sitting there and taking C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. And listen, Mel would have, have Will Levis, I would assume, if he didn't have Will going number one. But that will be a big discussion. But Houston has to take a quarterback at that number two spot. Arizona, then I had taken the top defensive player in Will Anderson from Alabama. After that, Chicago taking Jalen Carter after moving back from one, one to four the, out of Georgia. And then finally, at number five, Tyree Smith, the defensive lineman out of, out of Houston, uh, Texas Tech, sorry. And, and that was a tough one for me, Mel. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I really struggled with where to go on that one. Could it be a quarterback? I think they're going to re-sign Geno, but is that the long term? That one was a struggle. Yeah, Tyree Wilson, by the way, from Texas Tech, an early yeah, Ty- entrant, uh, incredible mm-hmm. player. Go ahead, Mel. I, I don't want to cut you off there. Sorry. No, no, no doubt, Field. And then, Todd, I think when I, well, I don't have a problem with what you did with Levis. I had Levis going to Seattle at five. It was when Josh Allen, I was the number one quarterback. He wasn't number one quarterback taken. It was Baker Mayfield, then Sam Darnold, then Josh Allen, right around that seven spot. So I have no issue with Levis where you mocked him. I think Seattle at five could be the quarterback or could be the trade out opportunity for somebody to get ahead of mm-hmm. Las Vegas and get Will Levis at that point. So it's going to be a hot spot in that top 10 if Will Levis does drop as the third quarterback, which I think he could. Just because I love him, that doesn't mean everybody else will. And I think the questions about 
obviously accuracy and, and uh, obviously this past year, some of the inconsistency was the direct result of injury. The guy was banged up from head to toe. And that affected him. And then you had the poor play around him impacted him. So I think you throw out 2022 on Will Levis. You look at 2021. If you look at 2022, you're not going to like what you see in a lot of those games. Some of you may like the guts and the fact he was out there, but you won't like some of the other things. But you got to factor in the injury. So if you don't, I think it's crazy. But, hey, that's just me. But in terms of the, the – uh, Defensive ends uh, and the lack of wide receivers, which we'll get to as well. We haven't even mentioned a wide out yet because mm-hmm. there's no Drake London. There's no Chris Olave. There's no Garrett Wilson. There's no Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson. There's not that kind mm-hmm. of guy in this draft. Could have been Jackson Smith and Jigba, but he was hurt all year with a hamstring. So now who do you go to, you know, to, as your number one receiver? Certainly not in the top 10 right now. So that's why we haven't yet discussed a wide out coming off the board. Let's recap the first five picks one more time and just again in the order that Todd has them, which is different from the original draft order because, of course, the trade. So the Colts make a move up to the number one overall pick. And just use your imagination a little bit. you got to figure it includes at least another first-round pick, probably pick number 35, which the Colts currently own, and probably yep. more than that to be candid. This can, this can be a four- or five-pick package that goes to Chicago to get that number one pick for Indianapolis because, candidly, they can't wait around anymore to get a quarterback. Number two, the Texans take C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. The Cardinals at number three, new GM Monty Austinfort. His first pick would be Will Anderson out of Alabama, who was especially productive in the sack category last season. A little bit less so this year, but still a dominant player. And then Jalen Carter, who was perhaps the most dominant player on the most dominant team in college football this year. That, of course, being Georgia. And Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Texas Tech, a school that has produced plenty of offensive superstars. They're flexing some defensive muscle in recent drafts. A couple of years ago, Jordan Brooks, a first-round linebacker to the Seahawks. Now another first-round pick on defense to the Seahawks in this mock draft, Tyree Wilson, who is a physical freak. That much is for sure. So Mel, if you're to pick one thing, maybe two things that stand out from those first five picks, anything that really caught your attention here? Or do you kind of say to yourself, yeah, it's about right. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, I just think that the Colts, like I said, go back to the Colts to jump up. And I, I don't know what they had to give up, Todd. You can explain that when you project the trade. What did they have to go from four to one to get Bryce Young when a Will Levis was sitting there? That was the only thing I would say to Todd is how much did you have to give up to move up from four to one, knowing you could have stuck at four. It's a team that still, everybody says best roster in the NFL, but they still have a couple holes. I mean, best roster in the NFL. Come on, that's an overrated situation there if you're thinking about that with India over the years. We've been hearing it, but look where they are. I agree the quarterback's been the issue, but come on. They're not a player away from getting to a Super Bowl. So uh, what did they have to give up, Todd, to jump from four to one to get Bryce Young? I mean, it, it's a guess, right? But uh, but just like looking at history, it's going to be something like that 35th pick, a fourth or a fifth rounder, I, I said fifth, and then either a first or a second rounder next year. So you're giving up three picks. One is a late round pick. You can live with that. But you're giving up the 35th pick, which is – Close to a first rounder, but let's be honest, this year, I said before, last week actually, 14 players I have with first round grades. So I, I'm not as concerned about that. And then next year, you're, you're having to give up a, a first or a second is, is my guess. It's a huge package. There's no two ways about that. But what we do believe, at least as of right now, is that the Colts aren't the only team that is likely going to be interested in trying to move up the board. We've talked about how the top 10 picks have Lots of potential movers and shakers. 
Let's see, like you think about a team like the Raiders, who Todd and Mel have both brought up already. Mm-hmm. Maybe Carolina. Does Atlanta want to move up? Could Tennessee, if they pivot in a different direction this offseason, feel like the way to go is further up the board? There's still much to be decided, and certainly free agency will shake up some of these things. But it sounds like if there were ever a year where if you have the number one pick and you can probably drive up competition, this is probably it. Do expect the Bears if a trade gets done, to feel very, very good about whatever their eventual return is in that trade. So those are the first five picks that are currently slated in Todd McShay's latest mock draft. We told you that the quarterback so far, Bryce Young, number one, uh, and CJ Stroud, number two. I'm sure you guys have both seen it, but for those that haven't yet, uh, Colts owner Jim Irsay is apparently very fond of Bryce Young, who <laughs> said uh, during Shane Steichen's introductory press conference, he's a heck of a player. Uh, he then posted a picture on Twitter earlier today, Wednesday, saying he and the Bears have a relationship that goes back 60 years. Maybe he's just playing a little game of cat and mouse. Maybe he's trying to let Colts fans know they're trying to move up. Who knows? Jim Irsay certainly never afraid to stir things up on social media. But let's get to the other quarterbacks because you have a total of four in your top ten, Todd, and that includes number seven, which is Will Levis, who will ask you about the fit with Las Vegas. And then I'll ask Mel for his thoughts on Will Levis because you have kind of been at the front of the Will Levis, not hype train, but certainly the fan train so far. What do you think, Todd? Yeah, I I think if if Will Levis is sitting there at seven and the Raiders have obviously, they've walked away from Derek Carr, why wouldn't you take him? And, like, here's the problem we're going to have for the next couple months, Mel. I like Will Levis a whole lot. I love his character. I've sat in the room with him. I've talked to his coaches. I know the the way he carries himself, his leadership, his toughness, and then his arm strength and his mobility. But I worry about the pocket presence. I worry about the eyes dropping sometimes, and we'll see. I, hopefully he gets to a spot where he's developed properly and he can wind up having a great NFL career because I would want nothing more than that. But if he falls to seven and I'm Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels, I, why wouldn't you take him? Clearly the Raiders have moved on from Carr, so th- this is the time to go get a quarterback. And maybe you don't st- stick at seven. Maybe you go and move up to go get a guy. So it's going to be fascinating to see. And Mel, you have continually said how fond you are of Will Levis. Uh, would this be enough? Like, this is a Raiders team I think is in a really interesting, it's not crossroads, but a really interesting time in their franchise. They made all these moves last year that suggested it was time to win big right away. First and second round pick go to Green Bay for Devontae Adams, three years and 53 million mm-hmm. bucks for Chandler Jones. Not that the extension for Max Crosby was about winning now, but they spent a ton last offseason, and usually when your owner is forking over a quarter of a billion bucks, you don't want to have the seventh overall pick the following year. The Raiders are going to be linked to Aaron Rodgers, of course, but can Will Levis help them win games right now, or would Will Levis be a player that you think really the benefits are reaped in, let's call it 2024, 2025, and beyond? Yeah, he's been in the NFL system for a couple of years. And obviously, you think about the talent around him this past year was lacking big time up front on the O-line. Of course, Wondell Robinson went to the NFL. But I think Will Levis is a guy can come in fairly quickly. He's a mature kid. Obviously, he's been in a system where you think about the talent around you. He's dealt with adversity. He's dealt with problematic situations there at Kentucky as opposed to pitching catch to four or five-star recruits all over the place with plenty of time to throw the football. So I think when Will Levis's case, I get why there's concerns. I understand he's not perfect. I get that. 
He's not going to have one of the highest grades of ever given a quarterback. That's not going to be the case like it was with Josh Allen. He's not that kind of quarterback coming out. But in terms of this draft, I think if Bryce Young is 195 or better, why is it important? Because can you hold up physically? You can do all the magic you want in college. That's college. This is the NFL. And again, that's why 195 is so critical. We've never had a quarterback. Never. Remember what never means? Never had that with Bryce Young, quarterback that size, going this high in the draft. If you're going to see it, it's going to have to be 195 or better. In terms of Anthony Richardson, Todd gets to Anthony Richardson at pick number nine with Carolina. This is a guy, you talk about polarizing because of the inaccuracies and missing easy layup throws. And give me a guy who looked dynamic and big time against Utah. Next week, he's at 40% with a couple picks against Kentucky. So the wildly inaccurate in, in, in some games with passes, nine for 29 in one game. But yeah, and, and a lack of starts as well for Anthony Richardson. But the big time talent is a quarterback coach. You know, an offensive coordinator going to say, give me Anthony Richardson. I can make him a quarterback in two or three years and we can win big with in the NFL. Todd, that's to me is a big time look ahead. It's a leap of faith in the talent. But Anthony Richardson, I, I, I said it before, he's a guy who can either make your draft or he can break your heart, Todd. Uh-huh. I, I promise you. I, we talked about the, like the, the hardest thing in the top five. The hardest thing was to, to place Anthony Richardson. He could go late first. He could go second, and I'd be fine with it. He could go at number nine, and I would understand it. You have to have someone, and we've talked about this, you have to have a quarterback coach, an offensive coordinator, and a head coach that are all in lockstep mm. about Anthony Richardson. It's not going to be year one. It's going to be year two probably, and we better have a plan, a real plan for developing him. And we've got to make sure that we can get everything out of him because physically, I've said it before, he's the most talented quarterback in this class, but he's just he's not developed yet. He's not ready. So it's... It, I struggled with Carolina. I'll be completely honest. I struggled with Carolina because they need a quarterback, but why not take a shot? And in order to have success in this league, you've got to have a quarterback. So you've got to – Rick Spielman and I talked about this one time. You've got to keep taking your hacks. Mm. Rick was the, the longtime Vikings general manager. He just kept – you've got to take your hacks. I'm like, but that's early. He's like, ah, you've got to take your hacks. And I agree with him. You have to have a quarterback to win in this league. And Anthony Richardson has a chance to be a star, or you could wind up drafting another quarterback in a year or two. That's that's the most fascinating part about it. Panthers fans are saying, yeah, we've been taking yeah, and then, hacks. And that field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and taking hacks field inside. Think about this. There's only four quarterbacks in the NFL have won a Super Bowl. Four quarterbacks. That's it. That have won a Super Bowl. The only one that's been is with the team that drafted him is Patrick Mahomes. He's the only one with multiple. Okay, Russell Wilson's in Denver, drafted by Seattle. Aaron Rodgers, we don't know where he'll be. It won't be in Green Bay, right? And then you think about where uh, Matthew Stafford, drafted by Detroit, won one with the Rams. That's it. That's it. Four quarterbacks in the NFL have won a Super Bowl. And only one multiple. So you're trying to get to that. What's what Josh Allen said after they lost? Hey, only one quarterback, only one fan base is going to be happy. Thirty-one are going to be disappointed. What they say? What did Dale Earnhardt, the late great Dale Earnhardt, say? Second place is the first loser. You're all losers. Yeah. Only one winner, <laughs> and that's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And only four in the NFL. Only four quarterbacks in the NFL have ever won a Super Bowl. Pretty remarkable when you think about it. I I love you, Tom Kuiper. Brady is obviously a big part <laughs> of that, having hijacked uh, you know a lot of that real estate for. Uh, 23 years. But I will say, again, Panthers fans are probably sitting there thinking, 
Yeah, we've been taking hacks. Our problem is that we keep hacking and we keep on swinging and missing uh-huh. the quarterback spot. And missing. We're, we're not – I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it will be very interesting for Carolina because you certainly feel really good about some of the pieces that are currently in place on that coaching staff. Frank Reich has obviously beefed up that coaching staff with tons of experience on both sides of the ball, but they would probably have to add a quarterback in free agency – or re-sign Sam Darnold. I know that some Panthers fans are going to say, we don't want to go down that path again. But if you're taking Anthony Richardson, it's really difficult to imagine that you would go into the season saying an untested, unseasoned Anthony Richardson is the answer right away. He might need to incur some growing pains. So uh, free agency will obviously play a big part in shaping how these mocks unfold in future months because there are a lot of veteran quarterbacks that are going to be available this offseason, whether it's free agency or whether it's via trade. As Mel alluded to, Aaron Rodgers would be the ultimate domino that could shake things up. We got to those four quarterbacks. They're all in the first nine picks. Mel mentioned earlier, there is no Jamar Chase or no Devontae Smith or no elite, elite wide receiver prospect. We had to wait until pick 10 to see a wide receiver go off the board. And Todd, that is a player in Quinton Johnson who had his best season by far at the college level during his final season. Made himself a bunch of money this past year at TCU. Pick 12, actually. Pick I had 12. to wait till 12. Yeah, crazy. Qu- huh? Yeah, Quinton, John- Quinton Johnson is just – I call him the pterodactyl. He's just – he's tall, he's long, he's physical. But the thing that separates Quinton from all the other wide receivers in this class is the twitch that he has for his size after the catch. Consistently – you. Catch, make the first guy miss. And that's what you're looking for in a receiver. I love Jordan Addison. I think he's going to be a really good pro. I think he's going to be a number three or maybe a number two that works a lot in the slot. But to me, Quentin Johnson has the most physical tools of the physical ability of any of these wide receivers. And, and I think, I, I, Mel, I think it's fair. Somewhere in that 10 to 15 range is where we'll probably see the wide receivers start to come off the board, and it might just be one of them. And then later in, in round one, we'll see more of the receivers come off the board. Yeah, and that's there's going to be mixed opinion on these receivers. Who is wide receiver one? Because like you say, you have Zay Flowers mm-hmm. of Boston College who does everything you want a wide out to do. He's got everything talent-wise, the right attitude, the right approach. You think about another receiver, Jackson mm-hmm. Smith and Jigba. I contend that he's a guy I would take one. All he does is get open and make big plays. And he's versatile. And he's a guy that just has a knack. And you either have it or you don't, Todd. And he's not, he's going to be deceptive in terms of everything. I say deceptive. He's not going to run the fastest 40. He's going to test out off the charts. But when you put the pads on and what we saw two years ago when Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were on that field with Jackson Smith and Jigba, he was special. And he had the hamstring this year and he didn't play. So somebody's going to get a really good player. Todd, I think you had him going to Jacksonville in the 20s. So if somebody can get a Jackson Smith and Jigba at that point in the draft, like the Jaguars, they should be pretty happy. I know this sounds ridiculous because we do it every year and it matters every year, but when I think about this wide receiver class, I do think the combine might matter more because there isn't as much clear separation at the very top, right? Like Jamar Chase could have skipped the combine, could have skipped his pro day, he could have just not showed up for anything, and he would have gone to the top five. Heck, he did. He didn't play his last year in college, uh, and still he opted out during the COVID year, and he still went top five overall. I feel like this year, you know, if, if Quentin Johnson goes to the combine and runs 4-4-2, maybe we're talking about it as a top 12 pick lock. Uh, if he goes there and runs, you know, 4-5-7, yeah. it might be a much different outlook for him. And uh, same with the other wide receivers who are kind of in that mix for that top tier uh, at that position. 
And I'm going to ask Mel, uh, Todd, about his top running back and where he landed. And then I just want to let Mel take the floor for a little bit because I get a feeling it might generate a bit of a reaction. So where did B. John Robinson end up, Todd? Oh, Mel, here's the funny part. I promise you, all my life, I did not even think about it. Purposely, right? When I put B. John Robinson at number 22 going to the Baltimore Ravens. Sure you didn't. Knowing your hatred for running backs, I, I, I actually didn't. I had a producer call me a little bit earlier and said, did you do this on purpose? And I said, I, I really didn't. I didn't. So have fun with it. Bijan Robinson, Bijan could go in the top 10. I think he's that special of a player. I, I think he's the next Saquon Barkley as long as everyone's healthy. Okay? But I had him drop into 22 as a value pick at that point. You know that the Ravens are always about value. I know they're I, – I, go ahead. Have fun. Boy, this is the ultimate luxury. You know about luxury pick. Wow. Bijan, I love Bijan Robinson in Baltimore, but a running back, when you have running backs already, you got the stable, you got a team that needs a wide receiver so desperately, uh, and obviously you could have other pieces as well. But Todd, you know, Bijan Robinson to Buffalo, yeah. Okay, to Dallas, yeah. Philadelphia, yeah, there's other opportunities for Bijan in the late first round. But Baltimore, and there's no way, I'll give you a lie detector test, there's no way you're putting Bijan Robinson to Baltimore if I'm not a Ravens guy. You can deny, deny, deny all you want. I'm not buying. Okay, so no okay. Bijan Robinson to Baltimore at pick number 22. But I do think, and Mel, I know your philosophy that no running backs in the first round. We've stated that many times over. I do think, though, that one of the reasons why we haven't seen a running back go as high in recent years, really in 2019, 20, 21, and 22, is not merely because the league has, for lack of a better term, figured it out, but also because there hasn't been the next Saquon Barkley over these past few drafts, right? Josh Jacobs, really good player. Najee Harris, really good player. Brees Hall, really good player. I disagree. Here's the other thing. No, here's the other thing. Here's like with Lamar, you ha- you have to have someone special in the backfield, in my opinion. That's why I made this pick. Mm. If you have the you if you have Lamar and Bijan Robinson in the backfield and what they can do from zone reads and, and different things in the run game, that would t- I know they have good running backs and and there's, there's free agency coming up, but that would be different. And to me, you, if you're gonna support Lamar moving forward and he's going to be your guy why not bring in someone who's special in the back in the backfield with him yeah and just to round out the thought there is that you know number 22 like he's going to go in the first round at some point right B. John Robinson like just accept it now it's not a matter yes. of whether he's going in the first round so we just have to re-trigger our expectations this year but Todd do you feel uh, Mel do you feel like running backs over the past few years have graded out comparably to how you have B. John Robinson this year is that what I inferred from your last answer yeah, Bijan Robinson has a high grade. You grade on ability. You don't grade on philosophy. So you grade them as they are. I'm not going to put a grade on a player just because he's running back and put him at 35 when he's worthy of being the top seven, top eight player in this draft. But taking running backs, look at last year. Kenneth Walker the third, Brees Hall, yeah. second round picks, both great. Brees Hall yeah. would have probably been rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt. Uh, you know, and then you had Kenneth Walker the third doing great things. Other running backs, and keep in mind, 
Bijan Robinson is not the only running back in this draft that I think can have a big time career. Okay, Dwayne McBride from UAB, don't sleep on this kid. Uh, this kid's a heck of a running back, and he didn't catch a lot of passes. They don't throw to their backs, but he has good hands. And you think about Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M, kick and fly. He's making multiple mm-hmm. cuts in each and, and just one run that I've seen in various games. Todd, he can catch the ball, great kick returner. You give him the ball, he can go I the agree. distance in a blink. Jameer Gibbs, you had in the first round as well. So there's a lot of other running backs. Yeah. Is my point. Also, look in the field. You mentioned running backs. Why do I feel the way I do? Look at what it takes to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Who was the lead running back for the Kansas City Chiefs? One Isaiah Pacheco uh, Isaiah from Pacheco, much of the seventh right. round draft. Mm-hmm. Go back over the last 20 years. That many teams were keyed the key guy to let them, allow them to win a Super Bowl was the running back that went in the first round. How many of those are you going to find? Okay. They were even with the team that, that, that drafted them. Fournette wasn't drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So again, running backs you can find at any point in the draft. And teams, and I know Todd will admit this, teams have bought into that philosophy. It was yeah. one thing I can say in 45 yeah. years that people li- did listen to in the league. There wasn't nothing else I've said in 45 years. They have listened to that. I think they've listened to a little bit more than that. No, you're not giving yourself enough credit, but you have been very much an advocate for the idea of being patient at running back in the real NFL draft. Let's move on from running backs uh, to the two teams that just played in the Super Bowl. Again, congrats to the Chiefs on a remarkable run. Two in four years is extremely impressive. The Eagles fell just a bit short, but what an effort. Jalen Hurts was unbelievably remarkable, and this roster is extremely, extremely talented. And it has two first-round picks to work with this year, this offseason, uh, Todd. They have a lot of free agents, and that'll obviously shape their needs a bit more. But an extremely resourceful front office now has two picks, number 10 and number 30. Let's begin with number 10. What direction do you have the Eagles going with there? I believe it's a former Clemson defensive standout. Yeah, Brian Brian Brissy is, uh, to me, he... He's the more talented player, Miles Murphy, but he um, kind of up and down and went, went through a lot this past season, including losing his sister and injuries. Uh, but he, I, it's a classic pick. And, and, and listen, last mock draft, I had, I had B. John Robinson going there, and I know that's a sticking point. But I, I, I just think Howie Roseman, with his, with his history, offense and defensive lineman, and so I had Brzee going number 10, and then I had uh, Anton Harrison, right? Yep. Going number thirty. Yep. So, offense, defensive lineman. That's how they. That's how they built this organization. Sure. That's the foundation of what they've done. And so it makes a lot of sense. And you, you've got uh, Lane Johnson. You, you got a couple guys that are under contract for another year, but. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with their offense and defensive line. Yeah, and Mel, this if this does play out this way, Brian Brzee going 10th overall to Philly, it will be the second straight year they use a first-round pick on a defensive tackle. But this is kind of like what? Like oil and water, right? Jordan Davis, the hulking, potentially dominant run-stuffing defensive tackle. Not quite there yet, but I think he will get to right. that level. And Brian Brzee, who is just a play wrecker. He can generate pressure from the interior as a rusher. He's all over the place for at least he was uh, during his time at Clemson. Yeah, they spend a lot of money the Eagles do on the defensive line. The Ravens put it into the defensive secondary. Philadelphia Eagles put it into the defensive line. What well, Todd had certainly could be a defensive lineman. If not, it's Brian Brzee, uh, who I think could fall into the late first, early second, but Todd's got him at 10. But Kalijah Kansi, Todd does have in the first out of pit. I do. Quick, explosive, productive, very disruptive player. I like him an awful lot. So I think they could certainly go that direction if you're Philadelphia Eagles. The reason why that Eagles pass rush didn't get after Mahomes, it was slippery. They, they couldn't get any traction when that 
field in Arizona. So it was the same thing in the Buffalo Cincinnati game. The snow and the ice, you couldn't get traction. If you can't get traction, it's tough to rush the passer. The field played to what Kansas City with an injured Patrick Holmes was able to do. And the Eagles got to be sitting there saying, hey, can we get to find a better venue to play a Super Bowl than a slip and slide? So again, uh, that certainly impacted the game dramatically. That certainly impacted all that money and all those pass rushers the Eagles had who were not effective at all in that football game. I'm just the Honestly, I, Mel, 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 I have been on that field multiple times. And for some reason, I don't know if it's because they bring it in or bring it out. It is the slipperiest field I've ever been on. Yeah. There's something mm-hmm. about that turf. It's wild. Well, it is literally not, well, it's actually two of a kind, as there is only one other NFL stadium that uses the same mechanism for their turf as the Cardinals do, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders, who happen to be playing host to the Super Bowl next year. So maybe over the next 360 or so days, we can figure out how to get the turf to not be a topic of conversation during the Super Bowl, at least not for the worse. Uh, one more pick to overview, and that is, of course, the champs. And Todd, I, I just can't get over just how awesome the Chiefs' offensive line was, not just during the Super Bowl, but really the entire playoff run, the entire season, and the rich get even richer with your pick at 31. Yeah, Jalen Duncan from, from Maryland. And we really liked him for, what was it, one day at the, at the Senior Bowl? And he just, to me, he, he plays with balance. He has length. I think he's going to keep getting better. And if you're the Chiefs, the, the number one goal is to protect your guy, Patrick Mahomes. And I, I looked at other receivers. There wasn't anyone that, I, that jumped out. And I just thought at this point, that was a really good value pick. Your thoughts there, Mel? Yeah, I'd like to see a little more consistency with Jalen Duncan. The talent certainly there. Uh, no doubt to be a late first, early second. You had Zay Flowers, I believe, gone, tied before the Chiefs pick. So some of the Jackson yep. Smith and Jigba yep. Zay Flowers off the board at that point, or Zay Flowers certainly would have been in the discussion had he been on the board when Todd did the mock for the Kansas City Chiefs. No question. Jalen Duncan, it's got to be a Mel Kuyper Jr. favorite right there. You get a kid from Maryland. can never go wrong when you have a kid from Maryland in the first round of your mock draft. So once again, congratulations to the Chiefs. They take home their second Super Bowl in four years. And we have a full rundown of Todd's mock 2.0. Five o'clock for those who maybe are watching on the stream right now. We'll do the entire reveal, 1 through 31, at 5 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Before we get there, we got to get Mel's final thoughts. You gave it a B earlier on, but Mel, now that you've had, you know, 40-ish <laughs> minutes to think about this and ruminate over some of the things that you liked and some of the things you didn't love quite as much, what are some of your takeaways from Todd's, in my estimation, perfect mock draft? Yeah, I'd say a solid B, B minus, but I think you look at the overall situation in the first round where you say, okay, who was left out? Kalijah Cansey from Pitt is a first-round caliber defensive tackle. But I think when you look at other guys that are intriguing, Todd has running backs. I mentioned Devon A-Chain from Texas A&M. He's a touchdown waiting to happen. Go back to the Arkansas game. You want to watch him at his best, catching the ball out of backfield, doing everything. The runs, he the cuts he strings together in one run, multiple cuts in one run. Dynamic performer. Love Devon A-Chain as a second-round pick to somebody. And pass rushers, Todd, I'll give you a guy that I like and a guy that I think is going to be a little intriguing and they're going to be mixed opinion on. Felix Anudike Uzama from Kansas State. Go back look Texas Tech game, okay, yeah. and look at what he did in that game. Look at what he did in terms of the master of the strip sack. He had eight forced fumbles over the last two years. 
He has that knack. He's mm-hmm. slippery getting off the edge. He gets after the quarterback. He gets has bend. He's got explosion. He goes speed, power. He does it all. Uses his hands. This is a kid from Kansas State's got a chance to be in that mid to late first discussion. And a guy that's going to be difficult to evaluate is Nick Herbig from Wisconsin. Love kids coming out of the Wisconsin yeah, yeah. program because you know they're battle-tested. You know they're warriors and they're, they're coached properly. But he's got the short arms. And he got, you know, swallowed up against Ohio State in that game against the Buckeyes when I watched them. But Iowa, Maryland, other games, he was a guy, he's got twitch, he's twitchy, he has great hand usage, okay, he understands leverage, and he has that knack for getting there after the quarterback, despite having the short arms and a lack of great length. Do you play him as an outside backer? Do you move him as an off-ball inside? What do you do with Nick Herbig? I see a little Mike Vrabel coming out of Ohio State in Nick Herbig. So you're probably looking at what, Todd, maybe a third to fourth round pick and Herbig, fourth, fifth round pick. We saw Jack Sanborn from Wisconsin go undrafted. Look what he's done with Chicago. He was a steal as an undrafted guy. Yeah. Okay, Leo Chanel went to the Chiefs early on. So there's got to be kind of a middle ground between Chanel and with the second and, and Sanborn undrafted for Herbig, maybe early day three. Hey, Phil, did you hear like how he's yelling at me about like second, third, fourth round picks? Part of the playbook, Todd. It's it's um, <laughs> I love it. Oh, I it's love it. It's a, I thought just as a closing thought here. Uh, is there a player that like you really wanted to jam into the first round that you couldn't quite get in, or a guy that when that wound up in the first round, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if this guy in other years would be a first round pick, but you can only you, know, you have to find someone to go in the first 31 picks. Well, the, the cornerbacks to me are, are interesting. There's a lot of good cornerbacks. Yep. And, and I was trying to. I was Did trying you to have Deontay the Banks from Maryland you know, in the first, Todd? <laughs> you have to find no, out. No, I did not. Oh, uh, he did it purposely, <laughs> I, I bet, too. That was another one you left out for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I gave Bijan to Baltimore and, and kept him out. Just, just, just to needle you uh, a little bit. Yeah, just poking the bear just a little I'm bit sure. there. Uh, again, so I, I mean, I, I love mock drafts, live for mock drafts, live for the draft. It's one of my favorite times of the year. We're just 71 days away from the 2023 NFL draft. But who is counting? But a reminder, again, 5 p.m. Eastern time, if you're watching the stream right now, you can join us on ESPN2 for a full reveal of the mock, which is on ESPN Plus right now. Todd and Mel work tirelessly. You got them studying players at all different levels. Can't wait to hear more about their evaluations. And we'll have so much more. I'm gone next week, but I'm back into these guys are going to hold down the fort with somebody. We look forward to talking to you next week, 1 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday for first draft. For Mel, Todd, I'm Field. We'll talk to you guys soon. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. 